Hey everybody, welcome to the Leadership Podcast. Today we are so blessed to have Pastor Mark Ryan from Birmingham City Church. Mark, great to have you with us today. Fantastic to be with you. Yeah, awesome. We're great friends. Fantastic. It's really awesome to be part of your conference this week and uh, I thought it would be great to chat with you. Uh, yeah. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your church and a little bit about yourself and the city of Birmingham? We'd love to hear more about you guys. Well, as a uh, a minister today I've come on a long journey I was never brought up in a Christian home at all and became a Christian out of a totally secular background through a school teacher at school and my ministry journey has been in several phases but I find myself here in Birmingham which is a super diverse city in the UK the second largest uh, city in the UK 1.2 million people, uh, 435,000 people who identify as uh, no faith or Christian, but then 250,000 people who identify as Muslim and uh, 80,000 people who identify as Hindus. So it's a super diverse wow. city, very multicultural. Uh, we have a over 108, um, maybe even more language cultures in Birmingham. So wow. it's a tremendous melting pot. It's amazing. And so, how long have you been pastoring, and what led you to, uh, what led you to this church here in Birmingham? Well, um, I've been pastoring here ten years now. Yeah. And in my previous church, which was in a very suburban, leafy uh, commuter belt town uh, north of London, I suddenly started having this. Well, suddenly. I gradually started having this hankering after cities and dreaming about cities, listening to lots of things about cities, and then even going on city breaks for holidays. And uh, felt like I needed to say to the Lord, well, if you want me to go to a city, which one is it? And uh, unusually, I'm not the kind of person that has visions and things. Uh, I wish I was. But uh, then I had a, a very unusual experience at a Elam conference of uh, being a, a kind of awake, asleep, it wasn't in one of the meetings, by the way, uh, <laughs> uh, of, of flying over a city. And as I look down, there are some very uh, buildings in, in Birmingham that stand out. And I saw, oh, that's Birmingham. And then from that strange experience, felt called to come to Birmingham wow. in quite a dramatic way, really. Wow. So. Mark, uh, 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 we've been friends now for a few years, and um, obviously your church is now one of the largest churches in Birmingham. Ten years ago, that wasn't the case, but you have, you've seen amazing growth over the last ten years. What would you say would be some of the things that has uh, brought momentum and new life and growth into the, into the church? I think, I mean, simply, a culture of welcome, mm. a real culture of welcome, not just from transfer growth, mm. but welcome to everyone. And also not just going after targets as far as people, but going after all people. Wow. And so trying to make everyone feel welcome. And so it's been a kind of uh, big church with a living room feel. Wow, and I know that. lots of churches say that, yeah. but we really intentionally have worked a lot on welcome. Yeah. And also, I have to say, making sure that the worship and the teaching is solid. Brilliant. And protecting that. Yeah, fantastic. And, and one thing I love about your church is that it's a multicultural church. Yeah, I definitely. think someone told me these over 65 nations yeah. uh, 
that are part of this church. Absolutely. How did, how did it become a multicultural church? I think when we first got here 10 years ago, it, it's always had uh, some ethnicities. But what we decided to do is to not highlight uh, one ethnicity. We actually made a welcome to all. Wow. And that, that sounds just really easy, but we've intentionally worked on making sure that we give room and space and recognition to all the nations that come. Fantastic. So we gradually transitioned to this 65 nation uh, church where lots of people feel that they have a place and a part to play. Wow. So really it was making sure that everybody felt welcome. Now, making a multicultural church can be organic mm. in the sense that making sure that people who are on the welcome team and people who are front-facing are welcoming to everybody, making sure that if people are upset or having the patience to people struggling with English, that you have the patience to listen, all those organic things that we all do, that we do kindly. But one of the, well, a couple of structural things that we've done to make it multicultural is, first of all, we have blended our worship team. Wow. On our worship team, we make sure it's not just one mm. block of uh, ethnicity. Yeah. Like our drummer will be Indian, our keyboard player, if I think back to Sunday, was Portuguese, our bass guitarist was Italian, our worship leader was Indian, our backing vocals were uh, from the Congo, one from Ghana and one from Nigeria, and our lead guitarist was Caribbean. Wow. So, that's uh, but, that's, uh, but people think that's just happened, but we intentionally... Yeah recruit across ethnicity for our worship team you'll never have a multicultural church unless the worship team is multicultural yeah it's really had, important and you had a sri lankan preach and we had a sri lankan preach yes so did you have anyone from from the uk on stage well i stepped I up there now and again <laughs> <laughs> so that was awesome and the the second structural thing that we've done is we make sure that our elder eldership is yeah. multicultural now of course People who uh, are set forward for leadership have to be qualified anyway, mm. so it's not tokenism. Yeah, but we do intentionally blend our eldership to represent the nations that are wow. uh, that are here. Yeah. So I think if people feel like the worship team is inclusive and the eldership is inclusive, in fact, all of our teams are inclusive, and that's what I'd say as well as all the organic welcome of sharing food, of, of being patient when people don't understand, of making sure that you're culturally sensitive. We do, everybody does that anyway. Yeah. But structurally, intentionally, we would say blend the worship team, blend the eldership, yeah. and also blend all the other teams. Yeah. Don't make it so that uh, all the Br Brazilians only serve in the cafe, even if they're good friends. Spread them round through, the, through all the teams. Yeah. So all of our teams are quite blended, and that fosters a multicultural church. Yeah, that's amazing. And your your church is in the heart of Birmingham City. Yes. Um, so pastoring or leading a city church, uh, as opposed to a suburban church, 
Is there any difference? Uh, you know, some people say, oh, it's easy to lead a church in the suburban areas because you've got lots of people that live around there. Uh, whereas you're leading a city church, it's thriving. Is there any difference? Did you do anything different? Well, I think there's, yes, definitely. There yeah. is uh, definite differences. Um, in a suburban church, one of the, it's not necessarily easier. One of the things about suburbia is it's a little bit more cohesive. Mm. It tends to be people in lots more clubs. People tend to be there for a longer time, mm. so do settle. Yeah, And so you can build uh, over time. However, one of the drawbacks of suburbia is uh, particularly that people work long hours wow. and they're commuting, and sometimes they don't have the time to give to things at night. Mm. So one of the differences, though, with the city, first of all, I think, is the churn, the turnaround of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people say that we have people here for three years. If you've got them more than three years, you've done really well. Mm. Uh, so that, you know, changes the mentality. And therefore, you have to think differently about discipleship, thinking about impacting people's lives and then healthily letting them go on to their next stage. I think it's in, in a city also, uh, you have lots more uh, injustice, uh, that you see a more variety of people, in that we have semi-vagrant semi homeless people who are just as much as part of our church as mm. the consulted doctor, yeah. and treating them all with honour. Yeah. So in the city, I think it's a matter of restoring people back to honour, no matter which status of life they're in. Yeah. So I've found some big differences, but but people want belonging. Yeah. Whichever church you're in, so good. people want belonging. Yes. So we don't say to people, hey, if you're only here three years, then you know we'll only treat you a certain way. If you're in, you're in, you're in. and Love then that. and the, and if you're here for two months, you're in. If you're here for a year, you're in. Belonging is really key. Love that. The other thing about a, a city church is is to have a strong uh, vision, stroke, strategy that this is what we do here. Mm. I think in suburbia you can kind of do that more culturally. Uh, more organically, but in the city we more proclaim. We build, belong, become, be assigned. Brilliant. And it seems a little bit like a factory, but because of the churn and the turnaround of people, strong systems work well for us yeah. so that the actual, uh, that brings cohesiveness. Amazing. Mark, just, I'm just going to go off on a different direction. No you problem. are currently uh, working on a project, you're writing a book, yeah, uh, a leadership book, and uh, which you were telling me about, uh, and I love the whole concept yeah. of, of you of this project. And you're uh, looking at King Saul, King David, and Absalom. And, yeah, um, I'm just going to give you a few minutes. Do you want to just chat through that and what are some specific leadership observations you have made from these three men? Yeah, I mean it's still in the mix yeah. and yet to be fully worked out, but. The idea of this project is of how do we birth, how do we develop, how do we protect uh, leaders in the long term, uh, both in succession, in performance, and in handing on the baton. So when you look at Saul, one of his, he's always seen as a poor leader, but actually 
in his early life, he was actually chosen as Israel's first king, and mm. God did see something in him, and so did Samuel. And uh, uh, there are some clues that things would go wrong later because he's described as head and shoulders above yeah. his uh, contemporaries, although God looks at the heart. Yeah. So there's a little clue there that there's something with his heart. And one of the things that you notice about Saul and one of the leadership lessons for all of us who are trying to pass on leadership is you have to deal with your own personal issues. Yeah. It seems to me that Saul didn't deal with his own inadequacies and his yeah. sense of uh, feeling not quite up to it. He, he almost comes across as the lanky kid at school who's always <laughs> stooped with his shoulders because he's almost ashamed of being so tall. Um, and I've made some observations about his family background that might have fostered that, that will come out in the book. But he, he, he never fully gets to grip with his inadequacy. Samuel, when he's choosing him, gives him a great banquet and mm. speaks to him and, and launches him well. And he, yeah. and he has some amazing victories at the start and stands up, but it all begins to cave in. And the leadership lesson for all of us is... Whatever our inadequacies are, and we all have them, to become self-aware of them, to get help around them, and to get people to help us in them if we want to protect our leadership. Mm. David, uh, we all want to be a David leader. We all would say, oh, you know, of all the kings, we want to be that, apart from the latter end of his life, of course. But David's... The characteristic of a David leader is, first of all, he fights battles. And any leader who wants to be a leader is going to have to be engaged in battles, strategic and emotional, but strategic. The second thing that he does is he uses his gifts, mm. both personally with his music and his worship yeah. and both professionally with his military uh, stance and his planning. He uses his gifts. He fights battles and uses his gifts. And the third thing he does is he builds teams. In fact, David was the great uh, systematizer. A bit like what they said about John Wesley, systematized yeah. the kingdom. David systematized things in the kingship. And uh, no matter how we think about Solomon and all his riches, David's the one who put systems in place, but he built teams. And of course, he had his mighty men and all yeah. of that, which is kind of a chemistry thing, but it's also a intentional, this is how I go about my life. Yeah. And of course, at the end of his life, he became complacent. Yeah. Uh, and one of the dangers of being a David is, is that our gifts, our teams, uh, and the battles that we've won become our resting place instead of our place of teaching and mentoring others. This is how yeah. I did that. We may not have to go back and fight all our, our battles or redo our gifts mm. or, or build new teams, but the way to keep that fresh is to teach others how you did it. So good. Whereas David seemed to just keep it to himself in the end of his life. Wow. And then, with Absalom, we, we hear a lot about talking about younger men or younger people. Oh, they've got an Absalom spirit because they're ambitious or because they want leadership before their time. And that is obviously an issue that people, I would say to younger leaders, don't desire leadership before time. Timing's really important well, in leadership. Yeah. Don't desire leadership before yeah. time. 
good. Timing is important in yeah. leadership. Uh, even if you're a better leader than the person that you are serving. Mm-hmm. I, I once served a pastor and he wisely said to me, it's not about your ability, Mark. It's about your receptivity amongst wow. the people. Yeah. And so Absalom, one of his great failings was he wanted leadership before his time. However, one of the observations that we make about Absalom's life is that David almost created him. Mm-hmm. Now, not fully. Absalom's responsible for his own life. Mm-hmm. But David ignored a great injustice in Absalom's life, the rape of his sister. Mm-hmm. He never dealt with that issue properly. Absalom never felt that he got justice. And was actually, when he was sent away, and then brought back, when he was brought back to the kingdom, he was ignored and blanked and uh, shut out of David's circle. And it's, it's very trite to say, oh, that brother or that sister has got an Absalom spirit if they just want to be involved in leadership. We have to understand, how have we created that person by not addressing mm. their normal and justice concerns. And so I have a little bit of a different take on Absalom. I'm not being soft on him, but also I would say to those people who are in the David position, the position of you're fighting the battles, the position that your gifts are being used primarily, the gifts of you are building teams, how are you addressing the Mm. legitimate concerns of those who are coming up after you? How are you healing their hurts? Wow. How is that Absalom spirit being fostered by your neglect? Wow. And Absalom will become when he's isolated. And so if you isolate someone, it's, that is the environment for an Absalom spirit to grow. So draw them close and try and heal that spirit. Yeah. Now, uh, without being too idealistic, Jesus was the best leader yeah. that ever was. Yeah. And even he had a Judas. Yeah. So an Absalom <laughs> yeah. can become a Judas That's no matter right. how well you do with them. Yeah. So, But I think there's a little bit more to say about how Absaloms are produced mm. than just saying, oh, it's that character flaw in that yeah. person. It's about injustice and healing and isolation. Wow. And that's what creates an Absalom. Yeah. I love it. Looking forward to... To your book, do you do you have a rough idea of when this will be? Completed? Yeah, going to try and bring it out by late summer. I've got. Fantastic. I'm just finishing off another a book called Life Nav, which yeah. is a uh, book about seven important pathways for yeah. ordinary congregation members. I'm just finishing that up, and so and then we'll get to do that uh, book then. And um, Mark, what sort of a legacy do you want to leave for your church? Do you like? I mean, we've heard about. Uh, succession and you're talking about leadership yeah. with King Saul and David and Absalom. what sort of legacy what 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 is it that God is speaking to you about what God's when through the whole Saul David and Absalom project is really coming out of a personal devotion that God's saying to me about raising up sons and daughters yeah I love that uh, I don't feel that old but no. feel like I'm at that stage of life where I want to empower and raise yeah. people up. And lots of people say that, but I'm just going to be really intentional yeah. about it yeah. to uh, lead people on to say, hey, you can yeah. become a David. Yeah. You can release your gift. You can fight that battle. You can build teams. Let yeah. me help you do it. So really, my legacy is going to be 
lots of sons and daughters for the kingdom. And yeah. also for our city, we just need more Christians in Birmingham. Mm. And the best way to do that is just plant yeah. uh, new works around the city. Yeah. And so we're just going to try our best to foster campuses, foster yeah. church plants. Brilliant. And just get alongside other churches there and just resource and help yeah. them and bless them yeah. uh, as as they want. Yeah. And um, this is a personal question. What do you do to relax? What do you do on your day off? What do you enjoy doing? A, a few years ago, uh, this is kind of, I don't want to, you know, it's hard to not make everything sound spiritual, yeah. but really <laughs> in a spiritual way. God said to me, uh, for your, your next 10 years, I want you to be fit in every ways. Wow. So I've taken up running. Yeah. So I just uh, try and keep myself fit by running. Yeah. Running really slowly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I've got one of those running apps where you compare with other people and yeah. the word comparison shouldn't enter our vocabulary. <laughs> but I do look at the younger guys and think, oh, they're faster than me. <laughs> so running helps me. It helps my mindset. I do play a little bit of golf, but mine's more flog which yeah. is golf backwards yeah. uh, you know uh, but really for me it's kind of yeah being in different environments mm -hmm. listening and hearing yeah so we often take trips and just try and yeah. learn Fantastic. and do that yeah mark um, in closing what advice i know you touched on that a little bit would you give to the next generation uh, especially next a uh, bunch of pastors coming through, leaders coming through. What advice would you give them, one, one piece of advice? I think for me, leaders coming through would be know when to pace yourself and know when to push it. Wow. Um, to not try and achieve everything straight away, but understand that there are seasons of urgency. So I think we have great advice about taking Sabbaths and all of that. And that's great. That's, and we should do that. So knowing how to pace yourself is a great wisdom. But then knowing when there's momentum and just throwing yourself all in and saying, for this season, I need to push through. That would be one piece of advice. Yeah. We, because we tend to get... And that's a wisdom walk. Yeah. And some people think they're always in a season of Sabbath or they're always in a season of pushing it and we, yeah. we have to come along and uh, encourage people uh, to know the difference. I think the second thing I would say is get ministry partners mm. and travellers around you. Yeah. Who you listen to. Yeah. Saul didn't listen. Yeah. He just didn't listen. David had Nathan yeah. and Absalom had his own counsel and that wasn't wise. Yeah. Get some ministry partners around you who can speak into you, yeah. who love you, who care about yeah. you. See, I think we should have three important relationships. I think everybody needs a Paul yeah. who they look up to. Love that. Everybody needs a Barnabas yeah. who encourages them. Yeah. And everybody needs a Timothy who you're helping. Fantastic. Can you say that one more time? Everybody needs a Paul yeah. who you look up to. You need somebody who's an authority who speaks into you. Uh, and to you who, you, who you're inspired by. Everybody needs a Barnabas yeah. or several. Ministry mates and friends who encourage you, who, who you discuss things with, yeah. who you work things out with. 
and everybody needs Timothy's who you're helping. Wow. Because in helping people, they they help you, don't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. So, so I think knowing when to pace and yeah. when to push, and having some ministry partners around you, that's where I'd say to younger leaders, yeah. don't do it alone. Yeah. And and with the whole Absalom thing, don't try and get everything too early. Yeah. Love it. Waiting is hard, but it is a virtue. Yeah. yeah. Waiting on the Lord is hard, yeah. but it is a virtue. Yeah. And that's who uh, Christ wants us to be. Mm. Uh, Christ waited on his ministry. Yeah. He didn't do it too early, but he did it just at the right time. Yeah. Mark, it's been great chatting with you, and uh, I'm so glad that... Uh, God brought you and Kathy uh, and your amazing church actually into my world and uh, thank God for you and you guys are doing a phenomenal job uh, in the city of Birmingham and uh, before we close uh, is it okay if I ask you to pray yeah, sure. uh, and uh, I know what 7th of January 2019 yeah. I know a lot of pastors will be uh, making goals and planning and uh, can we just pray for all our pastors listening to this podcast yeah, sure. and uh, would you would you mind yeah. doing that for me it's been Thank an you. absolute pleasure to be with you today awesome. father we just want to take this moment to commit every person to you who is having the bravery and the courage to step out in ministry in 2019 and to continue ministry this year for those who that continuing is difficult right now, we ask you for strength, insight. May they get to the root of what's sapping their strength and heal that. May that issue not just continue. Help them to see it, discern it, heal it, and be able to move on. And Lord, may those people considering ministry or just starting out on their ministry pathway May you give them dreams and visions that really inspire them, even things that are beyond them. But God, help them to see that everything is by you and through you and by your grace. So give us that rest to be able to rest in your grace and in your love and help us to have the confidence that you've got this underneath are the everlasting arms and we rest in you as we walk like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody, for uh, joining Mark and myself. Uh, if you have any questions or you have any thoughts, uh, make sure you send me an email, uh, boyd at elam.org.nz, boyd at elam.org.nz. God bless you. We'll see you next time. <laughs>